folks, welcome to, of course, Griff Talks Football with your host, Griff here. Hopefully, y'all's week has gone well, that everyone is still safe from the uh, COVID-19, or as other people coined it, uh, coronavirus. Um, again, I hope everyone's doing all right. Um, but much like last week's episode, or last Friday's episode, which was about running backs and the future of running backs and how they're not becoming as valuable as quarterbacks, protecting uh, offensive tackles, and as well as tight ends, the same thing is said for wide receivers. Now, many of you may think, okay, well, what about wide, receiver, wide receivers that are like absolute monsters or absolute beasts, like you know Michael Thomas back when Megatron or Calvin Johnson was still playing, you know, even with Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins with these current wide receivers. Yes, there are beast receivers, bar none. Don't get me wrong about that. However, again, I feel like in this episode, it may change your mind a little bit how you might view wide receivers. Again, I think it's awesome to have a all-pro wide receiver that can just fall out day in, day out with no problem. However, you you might come to realize that other positions, just as a tight end who happens to be very athletic, good at route running, is a much more, or at least causes much more difficult problems for the defense to handle than just a athletic, big, tall, wide receiver that can also run routes. But just just bear with me here. Now, before I explain a couple of reasons why I feel like receivers, or at least the future wide receivers, will no longer be as valuable, or at least when it comes to star wide receivers, no longer will become as valuable. I want to mention about these stats because again, while stats don't tell the entirety of the story, I do think it's important uh, to recognize or to mention about these stats. So there's three categories I'm doing: receptions, top ten, top ten receiving yards, and top ten in touchdowns. So number one, in terms of receptions, for those who may already know the answer, is Michael Thomas. He had 149 receptions. Right behind, he's a receiver for New Orleans Saints, by the way. Right behind him is running back Christian McCaffrey for the Carolina Panthers. He had 116 receptions. Uh, tied for three or third place um, is wide receiver Keenan Allen of Los Angeles Chargers. And former wide receiver uh, or former Houston Texans wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, who's now with the Cardinals, they both tied for 104 receptions. Following is New England Patriots wide receiver Julian Edelman with 100 receptions. Atlanta Falcons receiver Julio Jones with 99 receptions. Chicago Bears wide receiver Allen Robinson with 98 receptions. Tight end Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs had 97 receptions. Running back Austin Eckler for the Los Angeles Chargers had 92 receptions. Then a tied place between Tyler Boyd and Robert Woods. Uh, Robert Woods with the Los Angeles Rams. Tyler Boyd with the Cincinnati Bengals both had 90 receptions. Those are just... Receivers with a mix of two running backs and a tight end that I just mentioned there in terms of top 10 for receptions. 
Now it's receivers and receiving yards. Number one, of course, Michael Thomas, 1,725 receiving yards. Julio Jones again with the Falcons, 1,394 receiving yards. Chris Godwin, receiver for the Buccaneers, 1,333 receiving yards. Travis Kelsey again tied in for the Chiefs, 1,229 receiving yards. Devontae Parker, wide receiver for the Dolphins, 1,202 receiving yards. Keenan Allen again, receiver for the Chargers, 1,194 receiving yards. Kane Galladay, receiver for the Detroit Lions, 1,190 receiving yards. Amari Cooper, receiver for the Dallas Cowboys, 1,189 receiving yards. DJ Moore, wide receiver for the Panthers, 1,175 yards receiving. And then Jarvis Landry, or Juice for the Cleveland Browns, wide receiver, have 1,174 yards receiving. And again, Michael Thomas, who is number one, again, 1,725 receiving yards is with the New Orleans Saints. I forgot to mention that. And now for receiving touchdowns, Kenny Galladay, 11 receiving touchdowns. Cooper, uh, who's with the Detroit Lions? Cooper Cup and Mark Andrews. Cooper Cup's with the Rams. Mark Andrews with the Baltimore Ravens. Both had a tied place of 10 receiving touchdowns. Then Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, Devontae Parker, Marvin Jones, who's also a receiver for the Lions. Jared Cook, a tight end for the New Orleans Saints. Austin Eckler, again, running back for the Los Angeles Chargers. Tyler Lockett, receiver for the Seahawks. Amari Cooper, again, receiver for the um, Dallas Cowboys. Again, Eckler, Lockett, and Cooper had eight receiving touchdowns, while Cook, Marvin Jones, Parker, Godwin, Thomas had nine receiving touchdowns. So, again, those are just the stats that I wanted to present. I think it's also important to recognize we had two running backs up there that were at least in, in a top 10 for either receptions or receiving touchdowns. We also had a couple tight ends tied up there in top 10 for receiving touchdowns, receiving yards, and receptions. And as, as I'm diving deep into this, I feel like wide receivers are like um, are are just not becoming, or at least are not becoming as valuable as they once were. And hear me out in this uh, in this uh, in this analogy here. Wide receiver wide receivers are like WWE superstars who are not popular. You know, quarterbacks, tight ends, pass protecting tackles whether it's a left tackle pass protecting for a right-handed quarterback or a right tackle pass protecting for a left-handed quarterback um, are like WWE superstars who are popular. They come at a premium like the Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, or John Cena. It'd be very hard to run a WWE business uh, without them because of how much how popular they are and how much revenue they bring in. I mean, they're selling merchandise. Usually you see someone winning a WWE championship because of the amount of, of money that they're bringing in, that the fans are pouring in, and that their fans are rooting for. Um, another example is like Randy Orton for the longest time. He was known as this bad guy, which I think he still is nowadays, but he's known as this bad guy, but yet everyone buys his merchandise, which is why – 
you often see, even though WWE is scripted, you often do see uh, Randy Orton hosting the WWE Championship because of, again, the merchandise they're bringing in. He's a popular wrestler. Five receivers, and this is no shot at my favorite wrestler of all time. This is no shot at Mick Foley by any means necessary. Um, but wide receivers like Mick Foley, who are expandable or expendable, Mick Foley was himself, he was Mankind, he was Dude Love, and he was Cactus Jack, who may not have brought in much revenue, but fans do enjoy, but he was changing characters for, uh, for the past couple of years since he was, before he had retired. I mean, he the first time Mick Foley himself, or when he became or was Mankind at the time, back in the 90s, he won his first and only WWE championship, I believe. That was him as Mankind. Um, it brought in, you know, ratings during uh, Monday Night Raw War or Monday Night War between Raw and WCW. Um, but that was scripted to see if they can bring in more ratings. It wasn't necessarily him selling a whole bunch of merchandise, I don't think. But again, he was not as popular as The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin or Triple H. Uh, back in the day. And that's much like wide receivers. Like think about the Houston Texans trade. I know everyone, especially a Texans fan, got re really irritated at this trade. They thought that Houston should have signed an extended contract uh, to DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, they didn't want him trade. They didn't want him to be traded. They thought the trade was bogus for bogus for a second round pick and, and David Johnson who's 28 years old and hasn't had like a good season since 2016, which, okay, that's a fair, that's a fair argument or a fair complaint. However, you need to recognize where the money is going. Like no doubt DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best receivers in the game. He's still going to have a prolific, prolific career within the next couple of years at Arizona within that air raid system. As long as they have a stable offensive line and Kyler Murray gets better at reading defenses and getting more accustomed to that system, much like he did back in Oklahoma, DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray will have no problem having successful, I would say, successful statistical year that, uh, career there. However, for Houston Texans, which I think they're second in the league in terms of cast space, cap room, that money is going to be going to Deshaun Watson, the quarterback for the Texans, as well as 26-year-old left tackle, who I think is a one- or two-time All-Pro. He's one of the best young left tackles in the game. Laramie Tunzel really traded a bunch of little picks for uh, this past year. If they don't sign Laramie Tunzel, then it's a waste of, of, draft, of draft capital that they traded for him only to then not only lose the draft capital that he did, but then lose Laramie Tunzel in free agency. And Laramie Tunzel is in one of the most important positions in football, and so is Deshaun Watson. He's in, by far, people will argue, the most important position of football is quarterback. Look, i rather have a great quarterback in a stable, good, efficient offensive line then have my quarterback be under pressure all damn day and have a star receiver that may or may not get wide open because star receivers do get matched up by star corners. And 
here, here's the other argument here. There's been teams who have made the playoffs. And as I have my list here, there's been teams who have made the playoffs without having a receiver going over a thousand yards receiving. For example, as of late or back in the 2019 season, two teams did this. You had the Philadelphia Eagles who didn't have a receiver over a thousand yards who Carson Wentz still threw over 4,000 yards passing with 27 touchdowns. He was the stable cog in that offense until he got a concussion in the playoffs. Evidently the Eagles lost, but again, Carson Wentz, he he's been paid with a long-term contract two years ago, I think, or at least up until last season, he got that contract extension. When the offense line is healthy, they're one of the best in the game. You can argue that the Eagles offensive line when healthy are a top 10 unit, right? They at least have Zach Gertz, an excellent tight end. And while they don't have excellent wide receivers, they again had a stable quarterback and stable O-line. And even though they're again, injury played throughout the year, Again, Carson Wentz was what helped the Eagles propel and get into the playoffs and win their division. Another example is the 2005 New England Patriots. Tom Brady threw over 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, but still didn't have a receiver over 1,000 yards receiving. Now, Deion Branch, he had 960 yards receiving, so he was he was close. He was close to 1,000, but still he didn't get over 1,000 yards receiving. Um, again, another example is the 2011 Houston Texans, much like the 2019, 2005, 2019 Eagles, 2005 Patriots, uh, 2011, uh, Texans, um, 2011 Texans had three, had a combined total between Matt Shaw, TJ Yates, Matt Liner, and Jake Delone, uh, just shy of 3,700 yards passing, as well as a total of 20 passing touchdowns and no receiver over 1,000 yards. Now, they had two good running backs to year with Arian Foster, who had over 1,000 yards rushing. Ben Tate almost had 1,000 yards rushing and a good defense. But again, no receiver over 1,000, and they made the playoffs. Uh, San Francisco 49ers this past year, too, didn't have a receiver over 1,000 yards. Now they had George Kittle, who got over, who barely got over 1,000, 1,053 yards receiving. Um, but again, Jimmy G also almost was shy of 4,000 yards passing. He had 3,978 yards passing and 27 passing touchdowns. And they had a stable O-line. They also didn't have a running back that went over 1,000 yards rushing but their O-line unit was one of, was top 10, arguably number one in the league this past year and could be number one again this year. Um, also, the 2006 New England Patriots, they had a better they had a better record going 12-4 compared to 2005 when they went 10-6. But Tom Brady, again, through 26 touchdowns, he th- barely threw over 3,500 yards passing, but he didn't have a receiver over 1,000 yards receiving. What I'm trying to say is, is that you can still make the playoffs with having a stable O-line or excellent O-line, an excellent quarterback group, or just an excellent quarterback that you can rely upon, and having a star tight end, I would say, much like George Kittle. Uh, Now, Owen Daniels back in 2011 didn't have a 1,000 yards receiving, but he was like one of the main receiving targets because the receivers either inconsistent or they were injured. And Andre Johnson that year only played six games, including, you know, two playoff games, I believe. 
And the San Diego Chargers back in 2004, where Drew Brees was still there, he barely threw over 3,000 yards. He had 27 touchdowns, no receiver over 1,000. He had Antonio Gates, but he had 964 yards receiving with an astonishing 13 receiving touchdowns. And he was the star target. And all these teams I just mentioned in the past that, again, didn't have a, a receiver go over 1,000 yards made the playoffs. San Francisco made it to the Super Bowl only to lose. Eagles <clears throat> this past year made it to the playoffs. New England has done it consistently. Back-to-back uh, 2005-2006 -back without a receiver going over 1,000. and made the playoffs. Heck, in 2006, they made it to the AFC Championship game only to lose to Peyton Manning and the Colts at that time only by four points, 38-34. Houston Texans lost to the Ravens in the divisional round. And uh, the 2004 San Diego Chargers, again, lost in a wild card round. But again, they've had stable line. It also helps when you have a star running back, LaDainian Thompson. But again, all these teams I just mentioned have three things in common, or at least multiple things in common. They had at least a stable quarterback group or at least uh, an excellent quarterback they can rely upon. They had uh, at least a tight end that they can also throw to and rely upon. And they also had an excellent group of offensive linemen. So while it's amazing to have these receivers go over, you know, 1,300, uh, go over 1,300 yards receiving, a bunch of receiving touchdowns and 100 receptions. Like, that's, that's amazing. Don't get me wrong. But you have far more advantages having an athletic tight end that's just a mis mismatch monster and have an excellent O-line and a star quarterback. 2011 Saints. Now, Drew Brees still were 5,000 yards passing. He had two guys go over 1,000 yards receiving. But Jimmy Graham, back when he was healthy and young and an excellent route runner, excellent hands, had nearly 100 receptions, over 1,300 yards receiving, and 11 receiving touchdowns. Marcus Colston had over 1,100 yards receiving. Um, but that was at the end of his prime. Again, he was a receiver. Yes, he had over 1,000 yards receiving, but he was not the main target. It was Jimmy Graham. Again, think when Gronk was healthy when he was in the league back in 2010 he was the main target for Tom Brady he was everyone was fearing Gronk and back when Jimmy Graham was healthy everyone was fearing him too Antonio Gates when he was in his prime everyone couldn't really cover him again tight ends much like George Kittle and Travis Kelsey nowadays are a matchup are a matchup mismatch nightmare they are a mismatch nightmare. And it's very hard to get to a star quarterback, especially if that quarterback is an excellent O-line, which is what Houston is trying to do. Houston signed Randall Cobb, 30 years old. Is he a star receiver nowadays? No, he is not. He is nowhere near where he was back in 2014. He had a career year, almost 100 receptions, over 1,400 yards receiving, and 14 receiving touchdowns, I think. Now, again... He is nowhere where he used to be. Could he have another year like that? He's still he still has speed. He's still an excellent route runner. 
but that money is going to go to that O-line, which has been one of its best units under Bill O'Brien in a long time. And I mean, a long time. They, they can hold down Laramie Tunzel and get and get more experience and work together as a unit. They'll, I think, become a top 10 offensive line this year. I really think they do, or at least years to come. That's if they lock down Larry Tunzel because a pass-protecting tackle makes all the difference in the world, especially for a blindside pass-protecting tackle. For a quarterback that either throws right hand, that's a left tackle, or a quarterback throws left hand, that's a right tackle. And then an excellent quarterback. If you have an excellent quarterback, it can nearly make everything work. Carson Wentz made everything work, especially having Zach Ertz there. Tom Brady has made everyone work with him, and he's done it for years. And he'll have better targets this year, but he was able to manage just fine this previous year with his last year in New England. Yes, he had Julian Elliman go over 1,000 yards receiving. And while it was probably his worst receiving quarter he's ever worked with, they still went 12-4 and four in the year. They were still able to move the ball offensively. He still threw over 4,000 yards. He didn't turn over the ball often. <clears throat> And much like with Carson Wentz and Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson, I feel like can make everyone work with him. Again, if you have a stable O-line and an amazing quarterback and at least a stud tight end, they your offense will be just fine. Same thing with Cleveland Browns. Look, they have two studs of receiver, Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. And yet, the, the offense isn't going to flow through them. The offense is going to flow through what they have right now with Nick Chubb at running back, with Ste- Kevin Stefanski coming in there with his own scheme, and with trying to establish an, a, a good offensive line, which they'll address in the, in the draft this year. But also, their signing of Austin Hooper with backup tight end David Njoku still on his rookie deal. That offense is going to flow through these two tight ends Nick Dub and their offensive line, I think, will be stable. That's that's where the offense is going to flow through. And as if Baker Mayfield works more on his mechanics, I do think Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. have the potential to have more receiving yards than he did this past season. But again, the offense is going to throw go through the running game with an excellent offensive line group. And then there are two tight ends, which they are, again, mismatch nightmares. But again, you don't need to necessarily have a receiver go over 1,000 yards. And even then, um, receivers are not often lined up by linebackers. Linebackers usually line up against tight ends. If you have a corner lineup against a tight end, yeah, they have the speed to match with a tight end, but they certainly do not have the size. So again, wide receivers are like WWE superstars who are not popular. They're expendable, like Mick Foley, who can just become a, a different vast amounts of characters, and they'll still work. What you need is star players, quarterbacks, tight ends, and pass protecting tackles, who are your staple and your foundation. Offensively, much like the WWE, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and John Cena, and many other popular uh, WWE superstars are the stable of WWE. So 
Thank you all again so much for listening in today's episode. And I'll catch you all again next Tuesday afternoon. Uh, season 2, Episode 4, Different Ways to Attack Different Coverages. So, um, Also, my YouTube videos will be out soon. Uh, still trying to get that situation handled, but they'll be out soon, starting with 2 and 3 jet protection against 6 defensive uh, fronts. So again, that will be out uh, uh, next Wednesday as well. I'm, I'm sorry, no, next Friday, next Friday. And um, I'll catch you.